Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello! And welcome to Awesome Etiquette. Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take your etiquette questions on keeping communication simple, dealing with favors you don't like... Helping kids combat shyness, flying first class when senior business colleagues aren't, and whether or not to invite your future stepson's mother to your wedding. Plus, your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript segment on gift giving. Coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be produced in Burlington, Vermont by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning. I got hit with the stomach flu like straight up 6 p.m. Friday night. I mean, (laughs) thank goodness it waited till the end of my work week, but... Oh, 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 because it was bad. I came back from the springiest (laughs) Easter weekend ever, and I asked my cousin, how are you doing? How was your weekend? And I heard, I was so sick. It was awful. I hadn't had a true stomach flu like that in a long time where, you know, we all know the first part. But the second part was the muscle aches, man. My muscles felt like they were eating themselves. I was all ready Saturday to be like, okay, 12 hours of this, I'm done. Like, we're moving for Yeah, Dan's like doing all this go-get emotions across from me. Like, yeah, I was ready to, you know, like keep working on my projects and everything. And I was like, I can't move. Well, I'm really sympathetic. A couple of weekends ago, yeah. Pooj and I both got hit. Got hit. And oh. we thought it was food poisoning. And now, actually, as I heard your story and you describe what it was exactly, we'll spare you the gory details that you went through. I thought to myself, maybe there was a stomach bug that we caught and that we called food poisoning. Yeah. Anna told me that that it's been going around hard and it was exactly like one day of, you know, the stomach issues and then the next day of aches and pains and fever. It was the aches and pains that I said, I know exactly what that feels like. Oh, it was awful. Y'all don't want to hear me just talk about how sick I was, though. How was your springy Easter? Please tell us. I saw the most adorable pictures of your daughter in this gorgeous, gorgeous dress. This little langa. And we we took the opportunity to do Easter dress up. To, Wait, describe what a langa is for people. It's um, sort of a traditional Indian dress. Pooj actually wore one for the wedding. Yes. Um, it's got like a top and a bottom to it. Exactly. It's a two-part dress outfit. It's it, it's not a sari, but it's in that sort of world of, of clothing where totally. I think sometimes people see a langa and they think, oh, that's, that's like – that's that Indian might be a sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah. She looked absolutely adorable. It has like little mirrors sewn into it and little bells and it's all sort of colorful and Are spectacular. Pictures of her like sitting on the steps at the church with the flowers in her hands from the service. And you were a very proud father when you walked in. Very proud family man. Well, and the crocuses are coming up in the flower beds and no, spring is springing in vermont which feels really great right the now. the days are long it really is easier to get up and to do chores into the evening yeah it no, feels like spring it does it feels like spring it feels like everyone is waking up which is a great feeling we get out we see more people they're rude we have to deal with it <laughs> i mean it's just how it happens well and i'm glad you're back among the <laughs> world of the up and about and convenient of enjoying food it. To kick in over the weekend. What a bummer. <laughs> no, I know. Well, spring has sprung, hasn't it? <laughs> well, shall we spring into action here and get to some questions? I love our transitions. Let's do it. 
Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions on how to behave. And if you have a question for us, you can email it to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com, leave us a voicemail or a text message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or hit us up on Twitter and Facebook. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette so we know you want your question on the show. Our first question is about keeping communication simple. Hi, Dan and Lizzie. I'm a big fan of the podcast and actually found it through an episode of The History Chicks that featured Emily Post. I would definitely recommend The Chicks for anyone interested in learning more about some awesome women in history. I know this show. I know this particular podcast about Emily. It was excellent. I would second that recommendation (laughs) highly. The History Chicks, and they have a a podcast that features Emily Post where they actually – I think they look at the Laura Claridge biography, which I'm currently listening to on Audible. So much fun. (laughs) We could digress for a long time, but let's get back to the question. question. (laughs) My question is this. I'm in grad school, so all of my friends are from the same program. They know each other, but don't necessarily hang out. Friend A just texted me. What are you doing? I love this. I already have plans with friend B to go to a small gathering of her close friends. Normally, I would ask friend A to tag along, but I wasn't the event organizer, and it's being held by someone I don't know that well. What's the best way to tell friend A, I'm going to a thing you're not invited to? (laughs) The way she phrased the question made it hard to say I have plans tonight, but I would love to hang out later because she didn't include her ask up front. I don't want to seem cagey or like I'm purposefully excluding (laughs) anyone, but I also don't think it's my place to be inviting extra guests to someone else's thing. Should I tell her I have plans? Should I tell her who the plans are with? I'm worried that if I tell her that I don't have plans, then she'll ask me to hang out and I'll have to come clean. What's the best response? Thanks, Katie. Katie, one of the very first things you mentioned to us is that the way she, friend A, phrased the question made it hard to say, I have plans tonight, but I would love to hang out later. Here's the interesting thing. Your friend, friend A, did not ask you if you wanted to hang out with her that night. She just asked what you were up to. Now, she may, most people use that as a first, like, what are you up to? Oh, you're not doing anything? Well, let's get together. And that's great. And that's fine. But it's also perfectly fine and acceptable for you, night of, moment of, to respond back with, oh, I'm headed over to a friend's house. What are your plans tonight? Not hard. Like, not hard. You don't have to respond with some kind of assumption that you should be inviting her or that um, she's going to feel really bad if you don't invite her to this thing. She is reaching out to you last minute. And there's, I mean, when I I do this all the time, I'm a last minute person. I'm like, oh, I want to go get some food. Maybe someone wants to come with me. Hey, what are you doing right now? Um, I'm off to a friend's house. Okay, never mind. I was going to head out to Duino Duende and grab some burgers. Like, (laughs) it's not hard. It's it's easy. We say take your cue from the nature of the invite. Yeah. This is the softest, lightest touch invite possible. So it's like barely an invite. Light touch reply is completely, totally 100% appropriate. Totally. And you are, I just want to say 100% in the awesome etiquette category, Katie, for thinking that this isn't your event to invite someone to, that you weren't the organizer of it, that it's last minute to be asking those kinds of questions. You certainly could. It's interesting where we've evolved with the idea of asking your host if you can bring someone or include someone else. We're much more receptive to it nowadays, and yet we aren't totally 100% comfortable with it in every situation. So it's really smart to be aware of the fact that this is last minute, you aren't the organizer, and you're not the host good, safe territory to say, hey, I'm headed to my friend's house this evening. Maybe you and I can meet up another night. Or, But even that kind of assumes that, that your friend was reaching out just to meet up. Maybe she just wanted to talk on the phone. Another etiquette point that comes up is the potential to say too much, to start to say to yourself, I'm going to give every detail about the thing I'm doing. And th- that starts to tread into that territory of, no, you don't necessarily need to tell someone the thing that you're not <laughs> inviting them to. And... Again, keep it simple, keep it light in the same way that the inquiry was light, your reply can be light, I have plans tonight, what are you up to? Can be the end of it. It doesn't need to be much more than that. There's one final etiquette thought that came up to me as I read this. All right, what do you got? It's not so directly related to this question, but it's the idea that if everyone around us does everything else perfectly – 
like, for example, including the ask up front, it makes it very easy and clear. You can respond to that ask and proceed to the next thing. If for some reason the people around us aren't doing that, a minor rudeness, like a slightly vague, more open-ended reply is completely acceptable. <laughs> that it's not only excusable, it's, and it's not. That's that's, that's why thing. I didn't. It's not a minor rudeness. In this yeah. particular case, I agree 100%. I don't think anything rudeier, but it made imagine. me think of this. Totally. That sometimes because you're presented with something that isn't done in a way that you expect, you aren't able to reply exactly the way you'd like. And if that does happen, I don't think you need to worry about it so, so much. That's part of the the dance that we all do all the time. Katie, we hope you had a great time with your friends, and we hope that this gives you some sample language for your back pocket the next time someone initiates a rather vague question about your evening plans. Nothing like being Miss Popularity. Yeah. Yeah. Meow, meow. Okay, Ellie. Awesome etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. (laughs) After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Our next question is titled, Forever Your Garbage Disposer. Dear Awesome Etiquette, love the show. And now that I'm a new mom, I'm excited to pass on your etiquette gems to my little one as she grows and builds relationships in the brand new world around her. Speaking of little ones, the etiquette conundrum I have is anything but. Within the first two months of my pregnancy, I was let go from my job. My husband and I could manage for a few months, but we soon realized we were going to have to cut major costs, the biggest one being rent. Living nowhere near family, my best friend, friend since junior high, offered to have us live with her until we could get back on our feet, pre or post baby. She offered for us and our cat to live with her for free in her beautiful spacious condo. She threw us a baby shower. Let us borrow her car when needed. Let us have guests over. Let us bring our newborn into her home, often cooked for us, and was an all-time amazing person. So generous that there is no way we could ever repay her, literally or figuratively. She travels a great deal for work, so we tended the home while she was away, and my husband always took out the garbage for the household. It took me six months to find a wonderful new job, within which time I gave birth and we moved homes. Interestingly enough, we ended up moving across the hall from my friend, subleasing from some wonderful neighbors who are out of the country for the next year. My friend also watched our baby for free in the couple of months it took me to research and find good and reliable child care as she works from home when she's not traveling. 
Since we are still 100% grateful, we bring her packages and mail in daily and tend her several plants while she's traveling for weeks on end. We often hang out and watch TV, go shopping, and continue to do all the normal fun friend things. So here's the question. When she travels for short or long trips, she still asks that my husband take out her garbage, and he does so with no grumbling. For some reason, this ask always makes me feel terrible, like we are her maids. And based on everything she has done for us, feeling weird about this one little thing irks me to no end and makes me feel poorly and extremely uncomfortable. It is hard to explain the feeling. I mean, given all she's done and continues to do for our little family— We never decline. And once we move away at the end of the year, it's going to be a moot point. But from an etiquette standpoint, what would you do? Might you feel the same way? Is there any way we can nicely decline this one dirty task? Or will we never be in a position to have that option? I can tell it bothers my husband too, which really hurts. Since with a newborn, we have a ton of our own garbage to deal with daily. Sincerely, forever grateful, but forever indebted? I want to start off by acknowledging that taking out the trash is a persistent chore that is oftentimes people's least favorite thing to do. Taking out the garbage. You could it, it conjures up sitcom images of someone asking someone to take out the trash, reminding someone to take out the trash. Like handle my disposed items, my garbage, my like like she says, dirty things. Yeah. So <laughs> this is an understandably dirty task. Yeah. There is also a remarkable and legitimate feeling of we owe this person that exists in this situation. And I hear very in, clearly <laughs> in the way it's this question's been framed, an understanding of that and an appreciation for everything that that has preceded this particular feeling in this relationship. That's the forever grateful part. Like really, truly, I mean, what's been laid out is is generosity in the extreme, and it's definitely being absorbed that way. Like our listener who's writing us is is very aware of how grateful she is. <laughs> and and is genuinely concerned that she doesn't feel so good about the way that feeling of generosity is being repaid, even in her own heart, that she's doing this thing and that her and her husband are doing this thing. And yet the fact that she doesn't feel good about it is making her feel bad. Yeah. Where do we find some good <laughs> advice here? Where is the <laughs> etiquette in this question? Well, I think of a couple things. I think that when just in reading that email aloud, you know, we often put ourselves in the listener's shoes when we read these emails. And I'm thinking, as I read the paragraphs of gratitude and an explanation of good friendship that, that's been identified in this question, it so far outweighs the one little question of, I feel like I'm being treated less than my friend in some way, is the way I'd choose to, to word that. And To me, when I look at how small that one thing is in comparison to the other stuff, if I had written this letter, I would reread it and probably say, you know what, taking out the trash just isn't that hard. And when we're looking at the fact that you're doing these favors, I think, and forever grateful, I may be wrong about this, but I think that forever grateful and her husband are only being asked to take out this trash when the friend goes away for work for weeks at a time. So my thought is it's the one trash bag that needs to go out because she didn't get to taking it out on the way out to the airport or whatever. Um, if I'm wrong and instead the the thing is that, that you are being asked to take out the trash every day, I do think that's a little different. But from what I can tell, it seems to be that you guys still, because you live across the hall caretake this place and do the plants and all of those sorts of things while your friend is away. And to me, taking out that one trash as a favor for house sitting duties for all the things your friend had done, that would be something that I would let go in my mind. And I would say that's easy. That's an easy thing for me to accommodate. We're taking trash out anyway. We live across the hall. We have to go up and down the stairs. I know you have your own baby trash and that is a lot and it's stinky and there's a lot of it. But I would let this one go personally. I this is and this is me really speaking from a personal place, not not quite so much an Emily Post etiquette place. I would really look at what what's been given to me and the fact that it is going to be over in less than a year and say I am happy to take that trash out. And I'm going to offer a, a similarly personal yeah, yeah. frame shift perspective. Yeah. And the frame shift that I can suggest for the way of thinking about this 
is that maybe it's possible you could approach it as the more I dislike this task, the better. That and this, really? this might Wait, help me out with that. The more I dislike this, the better. <laughs> that if everything were easy, if it were easy to repay favors, if we liked doing it, the cost to us wouldn't be great. And in some ways, it's it's a way that you both build and prove your character. And this is totally the Vermonter in me. This is the me that had a grandmother that used to say life is work. <laughs> and that, that part of enjoying life is embracing that and Didn't wrapping your arms around it. Too? No, this was on the other side. Oh, okay. Just checking. <laughs> um, there, there is sort of a New England sturdiness to this perspective. And I... And I and I don't want to say just New Englanders that, that this is a perspective I think other the regions write in, <laughs> yeah. but that that there is there's an opportunity in yeah. doing hard work in in being disciplined about doing something that you don't like to do for someone else. Yes, and that 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 is how we repay favors. That is how we acknowledge the indebtedness that we feel to someone. And as unsavory as a task might be, or as how however the particulars of this one job are irksome. I think that that's the, the the frame shift that I would offer is you say, I'm going to take advantage of that, and this is my opportunity to really thank her for everything she's done for me. You had another perspective when we talked about this question that I thought was worth bringing up because I didn't pick up on the possibility of it, and you did. And this is not as useful for our question asker right. because it's not about anything that's in her control, right. and that's that – it reminds me of the importance of the way we ask people to do favors for us, that we show appreciation and thanks and an awareness that it's a favor, that it's not obligatory every time we ask. Mm-hmm. That even if you have done incredible things for someone, if you've gone to great lengths on someone's behalf, if they are indebted to you because of all the things you've done for them, that you don't assume that in the way you treat someone or the way you ask them to return that favor. So, for instance, you were saying it might be the way that they are being asked to take the trash out, too, is what's making it feel like something that doesn't quite quite feel as respectful or measured up or something like that. That's what I was wondering about as I read this yeah. question, that yeah. maybe there's something about the way that the people are being treated here that's not great. And all it's just worth say, exploring that, too. And, it's and that, it's just entirely putting it out there. But yeah. I, I want to say I see that possibility yeah. and there's not as much you can do about it. But it, it's a reminder to me to yeah. always be careful about how I ask for a favor. Forever grateful. We hope that our answer helps you keep the gratitude at the forefront of your mind. And look, this dispute was settled fairly. And so Jerry and Eddie are still good friends, just as they always were. It's worthwhile to know many ways to settle disputes. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Next question is titled, Combating Shyness in Children. Dear Lizzie and Dan, hello from England. Hi! I listen regularly to your podcast here in the UK, finding it both enjoyable and educational. It's fascinating for me to hear about the subtle differences in etiquette between our different cultures. Although, of course, many aspects are the same, making your advice very useful. Thanks so much. Keep up the great work. My question to you is regarding my son, who is five years old. Throughout his life, we have constantly tried to model politeness, and at home, he is becoming very courteous, for example, always saying please and thank you, and doing it with genuine feeling. Outside the home, however, he suffers from shyness with adults that he doesn't know very well. In fact, he's even really shy with his teacher, who is lovely, and he's been in her class for seven months now. I think people are genuinely very understanding of young children being shy and therefore reluctant to engage in conversation. But I'm concerned that as he gets older, he'll be six this summer, he could appear to be rude if he doesn't keep eye contact when people talk to him or answers their kindly questions in monosyllables. I have started to talk to him about trying to look people in the eye when they talk to him and to give a little more information when asked a question, but I can tell that he finds this difficult. 
I fully appreciate that this is part of his personality and previous speech issues for which he saw a speech therapist have also knocked his confidence. But I don't want him to suffer in the future because of his shyness in speaking out. What points of etiquette would it be best for me to approach with him to give him the tools to be more confident in his interactions with adults? And how could I go about this in a gentle and respectful way? Many thanks for your time and consideration. Concerned mum, Kate. Kate, this is something that we hear about a lot, that kids and shyness and wanting to encourage them, especially as you're, you know, you're out and about a lot with your kids. There are a lot of these small run-ins that you have with adult friends or other families that you know. It can make it frustrating when you see the shyness happening repeatedly. And you want to encourage your kid, but you also know, you know, where he's at and what he's been through and you don't have to push kids to interact all the time. So it's a balance. And it is definitely one that as a mom, I love the fact that you're in that place where you both want to understand and support your child, but also push him because introductions are important and being able to have conversation is important. And really giving your kid that skill so that later in life it isn't a problem. Those are really important aspects of etiquette. And there are a couple things that you can do that can help encourage your kid to have those moments of connection, but that maybe don't feel so pressured. And it's funny because it's a lot of the same advice that we give to adults. Um, and we, we say go into that business um, mixer scenario where you need to meet a few people and give yourself two or three people to meet. Well, let's give your son one or two things to to think about when you're going over to Uncle Dan's house for dinner. Um, It might be that you say, we're going to play a game. And the game that we're going to play is we're going to try and see um, what color uh, Cousin Kara's eyes are. And after we're at the house for a little bit, I'm going to come up to you and ask you if you can tell me what color cousin Kara's eyes are. And the point of that is just to give your kid a moment where they're actually trying to look up at those eyes and they're trying um, to find that space. That's a moment of eye contact. As as Dan knows, sitting across the mic from me, I often will be like, don't look at me. I have to think and I'm going to interpret everything you're thinking about if I'm looking at you and making eye contact with you. But I'm just looking at the bridge of your nose. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's another tip that we'll get to in just a minute. But it's funny how intense eye contact can be and how distracting it can be sometimes. And so finding those moments to encourage eye contact or to seek comfort in looking into someone's eyes is really um, a good first step. As Dan mentioned, another good one, if you are practicing introductions and if if your son is at that place, and Dan's going to go over introductions in just a minute, but where you really can run through an introduction, when it comes to that eye contact point that we're going to talk about, also giving your kids the bridge of the nose to look at as opposed to the eye contact can really, really help them. Small things like um, tasking them with finding out one thing about someone. Like you could say, did you know Uncle Dan used to be a dancer? Can you ask Uncle Dan if he can do a split and then come tell me if he can do a split? And your kid might not go for it. I remember little Stella Grace at, I forget which function, I think it was Christmas. She told her mother, I'm going to be shy for a bit at the party. And she was. She spent the first part of the party right on her mama, not wanting to really talk with anybody. And my goodness, by the end of the party, were we just having so much fun with all the other kids and all the other grownups? And it just wasn't a problem. But she knew she needed that time. So it's definitely workable. And there are small ways and small points to connect over. I love that idea of a game that you can sort of start to strip away some of the fraught experience of that shy moment by introducing it as a game, something that you're going to approach with some fun, with some, if not levity, good humor. Yeah. And and that'll start to change the emotional alignment. I also love the idea of building um, sort of some particular skills into the the way you approach uh, practicing and thinking ahead. Sometimes that, that structure can really be a child's best friend. That having some idea of specifically what's expected of them and maybe even of the people around them in a given situation can be enough to start to make that moment feel less mysterious, less scary. And that 
eye contact, look at the bridge of someone's nose is one of my favorite tips. I give it to adults. <laughs> I use it myself when I'm up on stage presenting. It, it, there really is something about the human gaze that is remarkable and mysterious and intense. And you can feel the energy, man. <laughs> we read a lot from each other based on that eye contact, the way our eyes interact and respond. And it reveals a lot about us and it tells us a lot about other people and, and figuring out how to interpret that and navigate those moments is something that's one of the most important skills. I think it's also really important if my mother were here. I'm thinking about my mother as oh, I do no, this question. This is, all this stuff comes from her. <laughs> she would say you have to know your child yes. and that there are stages of social development and different children move through their stages of social development at slightly different ages. So it's ages and stages and <laughs> that it's okay whatever stage your child's at, there are things that you can do. And thinking about that skills approach. Think about the the structure of an introduction, that there is the stand-up straight. There's the, the posture. You're going to let go of mom's knee. You're going to stand up. Even just that standing up straight starts to give you confidence. You're standing on your, on your own. That's where it begins. The eye contact also comes into play. The ability to respond if someone shakes your hand, you can wave back before you actually reach up and, <clears throat> and touch someone's hand. Usually with kids, the adult would be the one to initiate a handshake, so you're not going to worry so much about that part of right, the introduction. Right, right, right. <laughs> the idea that you offer your name or you repeat someone's name back, that you answer a question if someone asks you a question, and then beyond just answering a question with a monosyllabic <laughs> one yes yeah. or no answer, that you then start to, as a final place. And this is a final place for adults that you're able to actually start to engage in conversation, that you share a little bit about yourself. There's something about yourself that you're willing to generously offer to begin a conversation. And that's that's a level conversation introduction <laughs> skills. And you can start off by mapping out those expectations. You practice the skills that are appropriate. I love the idea of making that practice a game, that yeah. it doesn't... It, well, there, this all like what Dan just described would would be a lot for a shy kid, but it's those each individual part is something that you can work on. The smile, the smile is a part of an introduction. Mm -hmm. You can say, "All I want you to do is peer out and smile at someone today." If we come across if we come across someone we know, I just want you to smile at them. That's it. That's the one part. Another day, it could be that we're going to practice the wave. And another day we're going to look at that bridge of the nose. You know, you practice them in parts so that each part becomes comfortable on its own. In the same way that you're doing please and thank you at home, mm -hmm. do your introductions at home, yes. do your hellos at home, do your first meetings at home, practice them with people that – your son knows very well. Practice them with people that your son knows just a little less well but are still familiar and start to build out that circle and that expectation that you can do these things with anyone. Mom, it sounds like you are a great mom and it sounds like you're doing a great job. Keep it up and please let us know how it goes. Manners are a great way to build confidence and you're clearly giving your son that gift of good manners. Also, let us know about those subtle differences that you see between American and English manners. We're always so curious to hear about those things also. Do you know the secrets of making friends? They are so simple and easy. And here are mother's suggestions. Smile and talk to them. Find good things in people. Tell them the good things. Well, that looks easy enough. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Our next question is titled, Happy Traveler. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I discovered the podcast last year, and I'm a big fan. I'm hoping you can help with a business etiquette question. I have an upcoming business trip with two colleagues. We are flying across the country for a meeting. My company will only pay the lowest available fare, and when I booked, I was forced to select a seat in the very back of the plane. My husband, who's a savvy business traveler and all-around good guy, urged me to upgrade the ticket by paying the difference with personal funds. It was not a big expense, and I'm excited to be in first class both ways. 
will make the trip so much more pleasant. Although we will be on the same flights, my colleagues and I all booked our tickets separately, so there was no expectation that we'd be sitting together. I have two questions. First, how do I explain the upgrade to my colleagues without sounding entitled or spoiled? They are senior to me in both age and job status. Second, can I take advantage of the perks of first class, specifically using the expedited security line at the airport and boarding first without being rude to my travel companions? We will be traveling to and from the airport together. Thank you for any advice you can provide. Signed, humble but happy about the extra legroom. Happy. Thank you for the business question. I am a frequent business traveler myself and have encountered a version of this question when traveling with Lizzie's father, my Uncle Peter, who's also a very savvy and experienced traveler and has all of the expedited TSA everythings (laughs) and re-enters the country with a passport that allows him to just go to these machines where he miraculously appears at some point later in the airport having avoided every line that I've waited in. And (laughs) And he didn't wait for you. He didn't. (laughs) Not in those moments. But I I wanted to tell the story because in many ways he was a model of what I would think of as good behavior. Oh, okay. Okay. I like it. He made every effort to travel with me. And in our case, he was the senior person. Yeah. And I still appreciated that, you know, he he wouldn't be waiting in the, the business United Lounge at some point near our gate later on that day, he would be waiting for me when I got through my particular screening or Oh, like right after where you put your shoes on and like get your carry-on stuff back all put together, like before you actually go find your gate. Exactly. He really made every effort to travel with me. He took advantage of the particular advantages that his ticket and status as a traveler afforded him, but he also really made an effort to travel with the person he was traveling with. And I would give you the same advice. Okay, what do you think about the awkwardness of the ticket, though? Because, like, that's like, so wait, um, so wait, you're flying first class. We all know we have to book the least expensive ticket, and it's not their business, her personal funds. I would mention it just because I wouldn't want someone else to think that I had charged the business totally <laughs> for the first class ticket. <laughs> and I think that you make a light mention of it early on, something about how you used your frequent flyer miles or made a decision to personally yeah. bump up your ticket because you had noticed that you were in the very back of the plane, whatever it is, or, or don't offer a, a big explanation, but let someone know that you did it with your own funds in case that little question Comes is up. going to arise in their Especially mind. Especially with senior people traveling with you. That makes sense. Because you mentioned senior people. Yeah. I also wanted to mention that we don't have a lot of information about the nature of the relationship. And I think there's some best etiquette behavior going on here in that our happy traveler is thinking ahead about – The relationships that are involved in this situation, these are people that you might be familiar with, you might interact with on a regular basis, but this is about to be a new situation. So you want to take some extra care and you do want to think about those relationships. And if it's someone that you know quite well, if they're your boss or someone you report to but you have a long, good, established working relationship, you might very well be able to board the plane first and not bother them at all. It might be that you have a boss where you would want to weigh how important it is for you to get on the plane that extra five minutes early versus not departing a conversation that's happening in the gate. You want to be aware in the moment of the type of interaction that you're involved in and how it might make someone else feel. And if I was dealing with a boss where there was a bigger gap in our relationship or they were used to me treating them in a more formal way, I would want to make more of an effort to really travel with them And Mm -hmm. to make choices that show that I really value that relationship more than the experience of boarding a plane first, let's say. I wouldn't feel bad about having that ticket in first class, but I would really take care to travel with them and to make that my priority. You brought up something I hadn't thought of, which is that – because when you started saying the part about you might not board the plane when your group gets called, which, you know, you're in first class. You're going to get called first after, you know, families and and service people and things like that. And I was like going, oh, that's silly. Come on. You're in the boarding group. This is your plane. But you said, but you you might be exiting a conversation. And I hadn't thought about that. And that would actually dictate how I decide to behave throughout the traveling moments where I could depart versus not wanting to depart. So like if we had been traveling in the car together to the airport and then we get to that security line and I can use the even more speed and go through and, and, you know, go through the TSA pre-check or whatever it is that I'm awarded because of the status of first class these folks don't have. 
I might say some. I might judge whether or not the conversation that's being had in that line is worth me sticking around for, you know, and I think that's good to pay attention. And I don't mean to use the word worth because I think that's a little a little callous. But it's that kind of balance and judgment. Really, really use it in each moment where you have a choice to depart or stay. Like they might say to you, oh, you could, you know, go on, grab your seat or whatever. And you could say, no, I'm enjoying the conversation. That seat will be there for me when I get there. But you also don't want to do this to the degree that it then slows up any kind of boarding process or anything like that. And I don't think you as one person would cause that to happen. But it is just good to be aware of all the surroundings. The one other detail thought that occurred to me was if you were sometimes there's an extra bag that's got some materials in it or something like that. I would want to be sure that I was doing my share of the travel work, whatever (laughs) that means. And maybe it means you offer to take that shared materials with you first class because you board first and you're going to get some of that overhead space (laughs) that's available. Take advantage of the perks that you have available to you for the benefit of everyone involved, but really think about participating at least equally in the work that is to be done on that trip as well. Happy Traveler, we hope the trip goes well. The airplane, symbol of our mastery of the skies, bringing new hope to the people of the world, new horizons to industry, and new careers to you. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Our next question is titled, What's a Bride to Do? Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I have been listening to your show since it started, and I have benefited tremendously from Lizzie's famous sample scripts. My fiancé and I are having a small, about 50 invitees, wedding in the fall, and I'm stuck on a sticky invite question. We're a few months away from actual invites, so hopefully your advice gives us time to prep. How do you deal with the mother or father of a stepchild? If it matters, my fiancé and his ex were never married or even together after their child turned one. He is now ten. They have maintained a respectful, cordial, co-parenting relationship and are raising a lovely child who I am excited to welcome into my life. It occurred to me that I don't know if, from an etiquette standpoint, the child's mother should be invited. I am not close to her, and we have only spent one meal together when I was first introduced to her about a year ago. I would prefer not to invite her namely because we are inviting only our closest family and friends, and there will not be anyone else that she even knows. In addition, she is not involved in a relationship at the time, so there would not be a plus one. If we don't invite her and she asks about the wedding plans, what should we say? Help, I'm in uncharted territory and I need some sample scripts. Kindly, Candy. Candy, first of all, good thought, good pre-etiquette thought to be thinking of this and thinking about um, the relationships and the dynamics at play. And it's really good to be looking at the lay of the land on this one. It really depends on these relationships and people's preferences and comfort levels and your own included. So just like we always say, we start any situation with consideration, who's involved and how are they affected. Your child might be a bit nervous at such a big event that focuses on his father or her father and For example, your future stepson might be really nervous. This is an event that's all about you and his father. And that can just be a lot for a kid to absorb. It's an easy day to have go really well and be really bonding and inclusive and have everyone together. And it's also an easy moment for a child to feel overwhelmed and have a lot of emotions coming up. So sometimes having their other birth parent around or their other parent around really makes a difference to them, especially if maybe maybe there aren't grandmas and grandpas available at this wedding. Maybe there aren't aunts and uncles and cousins and a lot of family support that could really be there to make sure that you guys can have your day and have your day with your stepson involved and have him feel great about being involved. So I really look at this as what's best for the child in the situation. And I would talk with uh, your fiance about it and see if he thinks his son needs that support of his mom 
it doesn't it doesn't seem like you're terribly uncomfortable with the mother as just a person in your life um, and that it's more about we're only having 50 people. Um, you are a family and it's just going to be a big decision for you all whether or not this mom is one of those 50 people. But it really is up to all of you. And it's something that you can make a decision about together. I like the way you're applying consideration, saying I'm going to think about all the people involved. And I like the way you put the stepson at the center of that consideration. I think that's a really wise way to proceed. And some 10-year-olds are very independent and different kids have different relationships with their mother. If if she's the person that he lives with most of the time and this would be a comfort, I, I can see allowing that to really weigh on this decision. I also really like the way you're thinking about the way mom is going to feel at this event, that because she doesn't have an established partner, that you wouldn't be planning to offer a plus one. And the question of how comfortable she's going to be at this wedding, I think, also comes into play. And it's hard to speculate about what that is. I think that your future husband, your fiance, probably knows that as well as anybody in this situation might, even though they don't have a very close relationship. Mm -hmm. It might be something where if you decide that you are going to invite her, that you ask. First, if she would like to be invited. If she would like to be invited, that we talked last week or the week before about assuming or guessing what someone else's reaction or response might be to something. And this might be a place where you, you ask to find out if someone would really appreciate an invite or whether they would rather not. Not. And mm-hmm. sometimes the invite is the way that you find that out, right. <laughs> that you right, extend an right. invite. And if someone really doesn't want to come, they – but if you don't even want to apply what could feel like pressure to attend or right. you want to do a little work ahead of time, that is entirely appropriate. Find the person who's the best person to make that ask and inquire. In regards to talking plans, if you don't invite the mom – or even if you do, um, but if you if you don't invite the mom, a lot of the times the um, your stepson is going to share a lot of those plans just because this is an event that's happening in his life. But if she asks anything, you don't have to hide anything. There's nothing being hidden here, and there's no reason to. Um, they, you might not tell her absolutely everything. You might use some of those more casual lines like "plans are coming along." I'm so glad we're getting to the finish line. Um, those are easy to kind of just say like, "Oh, it's all happening." But but not give any detail. If her interest seems genuine, talk about, you know, I'm really excited. My dress looks like this or, you know, I'm, I'm so excited for, you know, um, we'll name him Charlie for Charlie's tuxedo. It looks adorable on him. You know, there are ways that you can talk lightly about it without going into everything about how it's going to be the most amazing day of your life. Master of sample scripts. I love how you just centered the child in the way that you talked about the wedding plans. <laughs> well, it's like that's their point of connection. And it, it doesn't really have to is. be the only one. Friendships can develop between moms and stepmoms. And, and that can be a really supportive and wonderful co-parenting that happens. So there isn't a right or wrong answer here. No. <laughs> you want to find the answer that makes you feel good about your wedding. Yeah. And probably the thing that's going to make you feel good about your wedding is something that's going to take into account the feelings of the people that are really important to you. And your stepson and the people that are important in his life are your new family. And I think that you are really wise to be thinking so far ahead. You've still got a couple months before these invites go out. So there's time to do some of that pre-work. And clearly you are doing that because you're writing into a podcast and asking questions (laughs) about it. I have such confidence that you are going to make the decisions that are yours to make about your guest list well when the time comes. As always, thank you for your questions. Please send us updates, comments, or feedback on our answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or you can hit us up on Twitter and Facebook. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette so that we know you want your question or feedback on the show. Each week, we like to hear your thoughts about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. And I actually think we have had this suggestion before, but I liked it so much I wanted to hear it again. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I love the show. In episode 185, you answered a question about attendee yoga classes on a guest pass and how to give gratitude to the studio itself. Dan mentioned that there are lots of ways to show your appreciation to a community. 
one recommendation I would make to Jen would be to write a review of the yoga studio online on Yelp, Facebook, or equivalent site. As Jen's reason for ending her membership was financial, this would be a free way to show her appreciation. And I know that many small businesses in my area seek these reviews as they attract new customers. Thanks always for your advice. Best, Ariel. I love it. That's a great tip. Thank you, Ariel, for your feedback. Our next piece of feedback comes from Julie S., and I am tickled pink by it. I think this is a wonderful solution. Dear Lizzie and Dan, I'm a longtime listener and sustaining member. Thank you so much. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Sustaining member of the podcast, please continue to keep it coming. I definitely noticed that I am more thoughtful in my interactions with people since listening to your show and have adopted the values of consideration, respect, and honesty as a yardstick against which I measure my behavior. I wanted to share two bits of feedback after catching up on some recent episodes. Concerning the listener who inquired about how to respond to questions about her age, this made me smile and remember how my grandmother would reply to this question. It does involve a bit of cheekiness, but it is priceless. When asked her age, my grandma would lean in close to the asker and whisper, can you keep a secret? When the inevitable yes was received, my grandma would smile genuinely and say, so can I. I witnessed her use this on multiple occasions, and it has become my go-to response for those situations when I prefer not to directly reveal my age. I was also struck by Pooja's comment about waiting until a friend is inside his or her house before driving away. I have a 14-year-old daughter and am part of a village of mothers who transport assorted children back and forth between home and school sports scouting activities. When I drop off a classmate of my daughter's at home, I always wait until they are in the house before pulling away, and I also request that they flicker the porch light so that I know everything is okay inside. If I don't see the light flicker, I go to the house and check, much to the embarrassment of my daughter, but much to the relief of my fellow village moms. This has become our standard for showing consideration and safety for each other's children. Wishing you a great day. Warmly, Julie S. Uh, Julie, thank you for the feedback. I was reminded also when I heard Pooja's answer to that about my father, who here in cold Vermont would always wait till someone's car turned on mm-hmm. after you had done a, a, a car swap or a drop off, because there are certain safety considerations that come along with these basic human considerations. Absolutely. Thank you to everyone for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please do keep them coming. You can send your comment or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a message or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's time for our Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And today's Postscript segment is about gift-giving. Ahead of schedule. I know. Well, here's the thing, all right? So I I try, I try. I'm not very good at this, but I try to get ahead of gift-giving. My whole family was born in the spring, and so it's like I get hit with birthday after birthday after birthday in the spring. But I am one of those people who I panic in the two months before the holidays and the whole, you know, end of the year tipping thing. And I'm like, oh, I never have enough money. I never have enough time to do everything I want to do. So this is your friendly springtime reminder to think about gift giving that you might be doing throughout the year and take advantage of getting ahead of things. This is like the equivalent of spreadsheets advice for your contacts. (laughs) Kind of Plan ahead. It kind of is. So in the 19th edition of Emily Post's Etiquette on page 354, which I am cracking open right now, we have a wonderful box on the five tips to simplify gift giving. And the very first tip is to keep a running gift list throughout the year. So now's a great time. Think about the birthdays that you have. Think about the holidays that you celebrate. Think about just the dinners that you've planned with folks you'd like to bring a hostess gift to, the thank you gifts that might happen. Um, I think about trips that I know I'm going on, and if I know the person I'm going to go visit, why not deal with the hostess gift now? 
a month and a half before I even go. It's sugaring season. You could get all your maple sugar at low, low prices right now. <laughs> I think we need more of Dan saying low, low prices right now. <laughs> um, but it is true. Keeping a running list throughout the year can make gift giving a lot easier. It can also just simply act as a reminder that this is something you're trying to be good about practicing. And especially folks with families, there are a lot of different gifts, birthday parties, events to remember them for. So think about busting out a spreadsheet or breaking out an app or just using old-fashioned pen and paper. Knock me over with a feather. <laughs> And consider keeping a running gift list throughout the year. Our second tip is to trust your judgment. (laughs) Think about the person. Think about the relationship and trust your judgment. Trust yourself to know someone else well and what they would appreciate getting from you. Having done that, stick to your budget. Yes. It's really important that you honor and respect yourself in these situations and your budget really is the parameters that you're going to be operating in and it will help you sustain that feeling of generosity that's important for gift giving well to feel like you're within your budget and within your means. Our next one, budget might actually impact sometimes, which is a little bit of a concern, but the idea is buy it when you see it. Really, really try to take advantage of the moment where you're at the store, the thing is in front of you, or you're in that moment online. You know you can just make the click, make it happen. It does make it so much easier. I am that person who drives by the stores that she needs to stop at and pick things up at and doesn't take the moment to do it. But if I'm in there and I think I'm here now, it does make it a lot easier, even if the time I need the gift for is still two months away. And that makes it easier To stick to our final tip, which is keep a few emergency gifts in the closet or around the house. If you have a couple things, things that you like, things that are nice things, that are quality items that you feel good about giving, and you've got them at hand, it makes it much easier to put it it in a bag, stuff some (laughs) tissue paper in the top, and bring it with you when you go to someone's house for that dinner that they've so kindly invited you to. I really wanted to do a comparison to 1922 gift-giving tips, but what's really fascinating is I went through and looked, and all of our gift-giving advice in the 1922 edition that Emily wrote pertains to very specific milestone moments, or it pertains to writing thank you notes for gifts at holiday times or things like that. I think we do a lot more gift-giving. Remember, you and I heard that wonderful moment where Emily kind of denounced the idea of having to bring over flowers or something as a hostess gift, that it almost would be insulting to a host to have to buy their dinner and their entertainment and their hospitality for the evening. And yet hostess gifts are something we talk about. Host gifts are things that we talk about all the time on this show, um, that we this is a custom that's emerged. It's birthday parties. That used to be something that was a little more common for just immediate family or those close friends that celebrate. With you, it wasn't a big party every single year. It wasn't a huge question, um, and I think it's important to recognize that that we as a society changed. And I think it's interesting that both our consumerism and our craftiness and our um, desire to give kind of have grown up and emerged and expanded over time. I'm going to keep the focus on the positive with this one. I I like like that idea of the generosity of spirit growing and growing and growing as our capacity to share gifts has grown as well. Where'd you put it, Mom? On a bed. She'll find it in a minute. That's the one she wanted, isn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. Mom! Dad! Annie! She's found it. Come on. Oh, Mom! Dad! It's beautiful! We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world, and it can come in so many forms. Today's comes from S. Dear Lizzie and Dan, thanks a lot for your podcast. It has inspired me to belatedly address some of my own etiquette oversights that have been eating at me for years. It feels good, and I think it is appreciated. In the spirit of your recent request for cross-cultural etiquette advice, I am writing in with an etiquette salute that proves that consideration, respect, and honesty are indeed universal. A few years ago, I traveled alone in Malaysia and met up with another solo traveler. She had received her college degree late in life and decided to celebrate her success with this trip, although it would mean missing her college graduation. As the date of her graduation approached, she began to regret her decision to miss the ceremony, which was a big milestone for her. She was feeling blue, 
The day before the ceremony, we went to a bar in a small town and met two wonderful local women who spoke fluent English and opened up to us immediately. My travel companion told these women about her ambivalence. They suggested we celebrate over dinner the next evening, and we parted ways. The next day, when we arrived at the agreed location, we were blown away. Not only had these women arranged a lovely dinner, they had decorated a cake, invited some other enthusiastic <laughs> friends, and even made a graduation <laughs> cap. They had spared no expense in creating a special moment for a complete stranger from a faraway continent. Whenever I worry about the state of the world, I think back on the unreserved kindness of these two women and remember that there are good people everywhere. S. That is such a lovely story. S, that is so incredible. And it is stories like these that really are the reason why we end on our etiquette salute. It leaves you feeling uplifted. It leaves you feeling not like a stranger in the world. Thank you all for listening. And thank you to everyone who sent us something. You can send us questions, comments, and salutes by email to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a voice or text message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, I'm at Lizzie A. Post. That's Lizzie with an I-E. And I'm at Daniel underscore Post. On Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. Help us out. You can become a sustaining member by visiting awesomeetiquette.emilypost.com. You can also subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. Our show is edited by the amazing Chris Albertine. Thank you, Chris. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris.